Okay, so we'd like to welcome you to part two of our current event and weekly Bible study for December, what is it, 23rd? 23rd, 2007. And we're, we're just kind of leaving off from the last part where we were at Hebrews 11, verses 1 through 8. I'll just go ahead and read that verse over. Now, faith is the substance of things hoped for and the evidence of things not seen. Now, we've already quoted this verse many times. Um, and then it says, for, for it, for by it, what? What is it? Faith. For by it, the elders obtained a good report. Through faith, we understand that the worlds were framed by the word of God. That's how the worlds were framed, by the word of God. So do you think it's important what word you're reading? Again, it's very important. So that things which are seen were not made of the things which do appear. By faith, Abel offered unto God a more excellent sacrifice than Cain, by which he obtained the witness that he was righteous, God testifying of the gifts, and by it, he being dead yet speaketh. By faith, Enoch was translated that he should not see death, and was not found because God had translated him. For before his translation, he had the testimony that he pleased God. But without faith, it is impossible to please Him. Okay, so, with every dispensation that's ever been, you know what it's always still been about? Faith. Whether you want to go to the, even even the Jewish Levitical dispensation. It's always been about faith, if you look at what God says. It's always been that way. Always boiled down to that one common key element that was so crucial. But without faith it is impossible to please him. For he that cometh to God must believe that he is. And that he is a rewarder of them that diligently seek him. Now, it says without faith it is impossible to please God. For he that cometh to God must believe that he is. And, and again, that boils back to... Um, you know, believing that the Lord Jesus Christ is the way, the truth, and the life, and that no man cometh unto the Father but by Him. That God so loved the world that He gave His only begotten Son, that whosoever believeth on Him should not perish, but have everlasting life. But then it also says, He that cometh to God must believe that He is, and that He is a rewarder of them that diligently seek Him. That's another thing you need to believe. That's a good thing to believe. By faith, Noah, being warned of God, of things not seen as yet, Moved with fear, fear of God, not fear of man, because God told him, you know, to build the ark, these types of things. Moved with fear. See, when you're moved by the fear of God, you, you typically, that's always going to be a good thing. It's, it's, you know, always a good thing. Prepared an ark to the saving of his house, by which he commend, condemned the world and became heir of the righteousness, which is by faith. By faith, Abraham, when he was called to go out into a place which he should after receive for an inheritance, obeyed, and he went out, not knowing whether he went. Hebrews, then we go to Hebrews 11, verse 13, where it talks more and more about, you know, these, these men of God. It says, these all died in faith. See, this is important for this dispensation as well. Part of being an overcomer is, is you overcoming until the end. But again, if the Holy Spirit lives inside you, you will have that ability. 
But you have to have the faith. That you, you know what I mean? It's, it's also a matter of having the faith to believe that. These all died in faith, not having received the promises, but having seen them afar off, and were persuaded of them, and embraced them, and confessed that they were strangers and pilgrims on earth. Jesus Christ hadn't come here yet, but these all still died in faith. And again, that's what it was about. Having faith to believe what God told them was true, and acting out in obedience to what He told them to do. That proved... Their obedience proved their faith, essentially, is how it worked out in those situations. It's no different today. Hebrews 11.17 By faith, Abraham, when he was tried, offered up Isaac. And he that had received the promises offered up his only begotten son. Hebrews 11, then if we go to verse 23 through 26, By faith, Moses, when he was born was hid three months of his parents because they saw he was a proper child and they were not afraid of the king's commandment. By faith, Moses, when he was come to years, refused to be called the son of Pharaoh's daughter, choosing rather to suffer affliction with the people of God than to enjoy the pleasures of sin for a season. Esteeming the reproach of Christ greater riches than the treasures in Egypt. And he had respect under the recompense of the reward. And then if we go to verse 36, Hebrews 11, it says, And others had a trial of cruel mockings and scourgings, yea, moreover, of bonds and imprisonment. They were stoned, they were sawn asunder, were tempted, were slain with the sword. They wandered about in sheepskins and goatskins, being destitute, afflicted, tormented, of whom the world was not worthy. That verse comes up a lot in my head when I read about people in the Bible or I see certain things take place. Of whom the world was not worthy. They wandered in deserts, and in mountains, and in dens, and in caves of the earth, and all, and these all having obtained a good report through faith. This is the testing of their faith. This is the trial of their faith that the Bible talks about. And in God's eyes, that trial is more precious than gold. Okay? If you're a Christian, all they that live godly in Christ Jesus shall suffer persecution. Okay? This is the testing. This is the proving of the faith. This is making your faith stronger, actually, when these things happen. So it says, And these all, having obtained a good report through faith, received not the promise, God having provided some better thing for us. Wow, praise the Lord. Imagine that privilege. That they without us should not be made perfect. And then it says um, in Romans 10, 17, So then faith cometh by hearing, and hearing by the word of God. Again, it's very important what Bible you're reading. <laughs> because it either is the word of God, or it's some variation or perversion of the word of God. How can you build faith if you're not even reading the word of God? How do you build faith on something that came from the Catholic Church, that ultimately came from Egypt? That ultimately, like with the NIV, has 64,098 less words. That ultimately has publishers like Zonderfan, who's owned by HarperCollins, who publishes also the Satanic Bible. If you buy anything Zonderfan, just know, know their parent company is HarperCollins, who publishes the Satanic Bible, and all kind of other blasphemous stuff. It's really important what word of God you're reading. So just bear that in mind. Luke 
21, 34 through 36. And it says, And take heed to yourselves, lest at any time your hearts be overcharged with surfeiting, which would be like, again, it says, and drunkenness and cares of this life. Surfeiting would be like partying really hard, that type of thing. It's with servitude and drunkenness and cares of this life, and so that day come upon you unawares. For as a snare shall it come upon all them that dwell upon the face of the whole earth. Watch ye therefore and pray always, that ye may be accounted worthy to escape all the things, to escape all these things which shall come to pass, and stand before the Son of Man. Okay, so this is something that Jesus Christ specifically talked about in Luke 21 verses 34 through 36 that we may be that we're supposed to pray for this to be accounted worthy to escape all these things which shall come to pass now again you could read this take this out of context and say oh well we earn our salvation right because um, I got to pray to be accounted worthy now I, I've got it matters what I'm doing to be accounted worthy but again you don't want to go to that opposite extreme where you're thinking that, you know, the Holy Spirit is out of the picture here. That you may be kind of worthy to escape all these things which will come to pass and stand before the Son of Man. And then in John 14.27 it says, Peace I leave with you, my peace I give unto you, not as the world giveth, give I unto you. Let not your heart be troubled, neither let it be afraid. Okay, that's what Jesus Christ said. Matthew 5.9 Blessed are the peacemakers, for they shall be called the children of God. 1 Peter 3.11 Let him eschew evil, meaning go away from it, flee it, eschew evil, and do good. Let him seek peace and ensue it. Remember, do unto others as you would have done unto yourself. Seek peace, ensue it, pursue after it. Ensue is essentially means pursue. Okay, so if we go further, Psalm 57, verse 1. Now, these are things that the psalmist said, and I don't see any reason why we shouldn't do the same. It says, Be merciful unto me, O God, be merciful unto me, for my soul trusteth in thee. Yea, in the shadow of thy wings will I make my refuge until these calamities be overpassed. Now, if you pray this and you really mean it, is that humbling yourself before God? I would say so. I really do. Now, uh, let's say, for instance, David saying this. He had every right to be proud if you really think about it from a worldly standpoint, at that point. But this is why so much of this also, I believe, goes back to humility and meekness and humbleness before the Lord. Um... We can talk about the faith issues, which is incredibly important, but I also believe it's important that you stay humble before the Lord. Because, remember what the Bible said when we started out this study, to this man will I look, to of, of him that is of, of a contrite, you know, and a humble and a meek spirit, and of a poor spirit. Which all essentially means the same thing. Okay? So, this is a humbling study. Okay, what we're talking about today, some of the tenets of this can be a very, very humbling thing, but that's a good thing. Okay? And when we say, Be merciful unto me, O God, be merciful unto me, for my soul trusteth in thee. Yea, in the shadow of thy wings will I make my refuge until these calamities be overpassed. That's a very comforting verse, if you think about it. 
that's a verse I used to pray all the time when I went through like the darkest time of my life. And I felt like the walls were closing in on every side. I couldn't hardly go to sleep at night. And one of the ways I would go to sleep is thinking about this verse. Where I would, I would picture like the Lord with his wings over me. And these calamities going overhead. But it didn't matter because I was sheltered. Um, there's another verse that says, Under the covert of thy wings will I make my refuge until these calamities be overpassed. The covert is the same thing like a shelter. Okay? So... In the shadow of thy, of thy wings will I make my refuge until these calamities be overpassed. Just think about yourself being hid under the Lord's wings while the calamities are overpassed. While the dark skies are overhead and all these other things. Just, I don't know, I, I literally think about those things. And I mean, it, it's, it's very comforting. 2 Timothy 1.7 says, For God hath not given us the spirit of fear, fear of man, but of power, and of love, and of a sound mind. Psalm 18, verse 2. The Lord is my rock, and my fortress, and my deliverer, my God, my strength, in whom I will trust, my buckler, and the horn of my salvation, in my high tower. Now, this is one of the verses I used when I went on tour, and I did that uh, 14-city tour on the Avion Flu, um, I don't know, about a year and a half ago. And I constantly interjected these types of verses into that presentation. Because the presentation itself, if you looked at it on the surface, was kind of a depressing thing to talk about. It's like, okay, we're all going to die. You know, potentially. You know, you could, you could turn it into that. But I constantly emphasized throughout the presentation these types of verses. And this was one of the verses, and I would try to give a visual with it too. Um, like in this one, I had this big huge, gigantic granite, sheer cliff uh, rock thing that you were looking at, and it was really pretty. And it, because it says, the Lord is my rock, and my fortress, and my deliverer, and my God, my strength, in whom I will trust, my buckler, and the horn of my salvation, and my high tower. See, this is what it's going to come back to in the times we're living in now. If you're in America, for instance, or in any of these developed nations, and you have your own house, or you're living, and you're kind of living in, in, you know, they're not a whole lot you're dealing with comparatively, like maybe to those in third world nations, or those that are under heavy persecution, or at risk of, of their lives every day. Um, it's kind of harder to relate to this, but to somebody that's that's in those situations, or, or being humbled, these are verses, in particular, you know, not just to dwell on when times are bad, but to dwell on even before that. Because you need to get these set in your mind that the Lord is your rock and that He is your fortress. Well, what would a fortress be? It's something that you would run into and be safe in. And my deliverer, and my God, my strength, in whom I will trust. What does this all imply? Faith. It's what I constantly keep going back to. It's what the Bible constantly keeps going back to. My buckler and the horn of my salvation and my high tower. These are really good verses to hide in your heart. To think on these things. When times get bad, it's always good to go to Psalms. Because Psalms are comforting and peace, and they build your faith. Psalm 34, 7. The angel of the Lord encampeth around about them that fear him. Well, what if you don't fear God? Um, okay, well maybe the angel's not going to encamp around about you too much. Well, bless God, I don't fear God, he's just got to love There's nothing to fear. 
no need to fear God. My pastor, Smiley Joel Olston, doesn't ever talk about the fear of God. He just talks about the love of God. Well, God is a just God, and He's a God that abhors unjust scales and balances. And He's a God of balance. Yes, He's a God of love. He's also a God of judgment. When the time is right, and when that judgment is deserved, He judges sin. So, here, it says, The angel of the Lord encampeth round about them that fear Him. Maybe this is another good reason to pray for fear of the Lord. If you don't have it, or if you don't feel like you operate in it at all. And deliberate them. I mean, you should have some fear of the Lord after hearing this, this sermon today here. You know? I, I would, or, or teaching. He encamps around about them, and then he delivers them. But, again, can you see why the devil would not want the fear of the Lord preached in any church across the world? He doesn't want these people delivered. He wants them crushed. He wants all the people that call themselves Christians to run in fear, fear of man, for them to have no faith, and most of them really don't. They're not even reading the Word of God to garner faith. Faith cometh by hearing, hearing by the Word of God. They're being brainwashed by their, their preachers or pastors. They're, they're, they've, they've got real, no real foundation. They're not, most of them are not really saved. Psalm 91, verses 4 through 6. He, meaning the Lord, shall cover thee with his feathers, and under his wings shall thou trust. His truth shall be thy shield and buckler. Thou shalt not be afraid for the terror by night, nor for the arrow that flieth by day. What are all these things of? They're of the fear of man realm. Okay? Fear of man, fear of whatever. Not the fear of God. It says, Thou shalt not be afraid of the t for the terror by night, nor for the arrow that flieth by day, nor for the pestilence that walketh in darkness nor for the destruction that wasteth at noonday. Praise the Lord Jesus Christ. The Lord Jesus Christ is perfectly capable of imparting these things that we're reading about. This isn't just fiction. This is real. And when you really go through a dark time and you start dwelling on these verses, they'll become more and more real to you. And when you look back on that time, you will view that as a very precious time. You will. Psalm 56.11 In God have I put my trust. I will not be afraid of what man can do unto me. Because why? Because you put your trust in God. Psalm 112 verse 7 He shall not be afraid of evil tidings. His heart is fixed, trusting in the Lord. There's a lot of evil tidings we're seeing. Just open up the paper. Okay? Uh, turn on the news. I don't advise it a whole lot. Because it's, it's mass brainwashing. So much of it's lies. Not to mention all the drug commercials you get in between that list the 400 side effects per drug, but then paint this happy picture of the person taking the drug. It says he shall not be afraid of evil tidings. His heart is fixed, trusting in the Lord. 
See, the heart, and yes, it is desperately wicked. Who can know it? Okay, he who trusts that his own heart is full. But, but also, you can have your heart fixed and trusting in the Lord. The heart is important. If thou shalt believe in thine heart that God hath raised him from the dead, thou shalt be saved. Thou shalt confess with thy mouth the Lord Jesus Christ, and shalt believe in thine heart that God hath raised him from the dead, thou shalt be saved. Romans 10, 9 and 10. So, it is very important. Okay, you just want to make sure your heart's right with the Lord. Okay? Jeremiah 1, 17 through 19. Thou therefore gird up thy loins and arise, and speak unto them all that I have commanded thee. Be not dismayed at their faces, lest I confound thee before them. For, be for behold, I have commanded for behold, I have made thee this day a defense city, and an iron pillar, and brazen walls against the whole land, against the kings of Judah, against the princes thereof, against the priests thereof, and against the people of the land. And they shall fight against thee, but they shall not prevail against thee. For I am with thee, saith the Lord, to deliver thee. Now, God is the same today, yesterday, and forever. I'm not saying that in every particular circumstance that he's going to deliver somebody in the exact same way, but he's perfectly capable of doing this. Proverbs 29, verse 25, The fear of man bringeth a snare. A snare is something like a trap that catches you. Whoso putteth his trust in the Lord shall be safe. Yeah, but I put my trust in the Lord and I got beheaded. What is what is on one second? What is awaiting you one second after you get beheaded? Do you think that's a safe place? One second after you're beheaded. Yeah, but it wasn't fun going up to it. Well, of course not. But the Lord is perfectly capable of even giving you peace in that situation. There's all kind of accounts of the martyrs before they went to go burn at the stake. That, that one particular account where the guy stuck his finger in the candle. And I mean, it, the candle was burning his finger, but he wasn't feeling it. God can, The Lord Jesus Christ can do that. I'm not saying he will in every case. I'm saying he can. He's perfectly capable of it. Now, if you knew you had to go through something and you weren't going to you know, feel any pain, hey, I wouldn't be that. You know, hey, yeah, you're going to die, but you're going to be with the Lord. Absent from the body is to be present with the Lord. Okay, it is appointed unto man once to die, and after this the judgment. So if we go further... Proverbs uh, 22.3 A prudent man foreseeth the evil and hideth himself. Now this is another verse I quoted when I was on tour. I quoted a lot of these verses. But this is another one I quoted. Because again, let's have some balance. Okay? A prudent man foreseeth the evil and hideth himself, but the simple pass on and are punished. If you, if you do foresee the evil, and there's obvious things that, that the Lord may be convicting you about in regard to preparing or protecting your family, well then do it. Don't do it out of fear of man. But whatever the Lord shows you to do, just do it. Just be obedient. There's a lot of evil coming down the pike. Proverbs 3, verses 5 and 6. Trust in the Lord with all thine heart, and lean not unto thine own understanding. In all thy ways acknowledge him, and he shall direct thy paths. Well, this is 
this is a tenet upon which we should all try to live our lives. It says here, in all thy ways acknowledge him, and he shall direct thy paths. What would that entail? Well, giving the Lord the credit for things, not taking the credit upon yourself. If you acknowledge him before men, he will acknowledge you before the Father. That's pretty good. Just thought of that. Um, but that's the truth, if you think about it. In all thy ways acknowledge him, and he shall direct thy paths. What if you're not acknowledging him in your ways? What if you're kind of just taking credit, or you're not saying anything at all? Well, do you think that might affect the Lord's ability to direct your paths? Because you're not giving credit where credit is due, and the Bible says that he'll share his glory with no one. So if we do this, it says he shall direct our paths. So if you're like, well, I don't know what to do. I don't, I, I, I don't know what to do with my life and this and that. Are you acknowledging God? Are you regarding iniquity in, in your heart? Look at the things in the Bible that you could be doing. Are you, are you regarding presumptuous sins and secret faults that they're having dominion over you? Look at the things that are in the Bible that you could obviously be doing that might be getting your prayers hindered. Okay, that's the first thing you should do is look at yourself. Don't blame God. Look at yourself. Examine yourself. Like the Bible talks about, examine yourself, seeing whether you be in the faith and these types of things. Okay? Um, that, that Bible verse, he that um, judgeth himself shall not be judged of God. That's a pretty cool verse if you think about it. He that judges himself shall not be judged of God. Now, I don't believe this applies to salvation. I mean, like, well, bless God, I always judge myself my whole life. I never got saved. That doesn't mean that. Okay? But if you're in the faith, okay, remember, the Bible says, Whom the Lord loveth, he also chasteneth. And if you be without chastisement, then you're bastards. A bastard is, is an illegitimate son. This is one of the ways we know we're saved. You know, I got saved, and, and, and man, I was just miserable. Man, I went through... All the stuff I went through for all these years after I got saved. And here, here I was living like the devil before. I didn't have to go through all this stuff. I didn't understand that until I got into a Baptist church and they, and, and they realized, and then I realized that whom the Lord loveth he also chases. See, I never heard that in Pentecostal circles. So what I tried to do is glean the good from any denomination I was in. Because there's good in all denominations. I mean, not, not the Christian ones, at least. There's something you could pull out of there. I'm not going to say there's that same scenario going on with Buddhism and Hinduism and stuff like that. But there's typically things like, the Pentecostals are very zealous. I will give them that. I learned to be zealous as a Pentecostal. Which I don't think is a bad thing. You just have to have your zeal pointed in the right direction. I was like, you know, nutcase. Mr. Holy Roller. Nutty boy. It was crazy. I thought I was being zealous. You know. And with the Baptists, I learned a lot of these other doctrines, like, you know, the chasing of the Lord, and sound doctrine in the King James Bible, and, and these types of things. You know, but, and then there was a lot of things, you know, they were doing in that particular church that, you know, really were, weren't biblical. And um, so I kind of gleaned from whatever denomination I was in, and, and just saw, does the gleaning line up with the Bible is all that really matters. Okay, you just don't glean what you want to take. You glean with what, what lines up with the Bible. Yeah, D Doug just um, acknowledged that when he came, he also spent... See, we've um, 
Doug and I and Lisa, Nonetta, you were pretty much just in the Baptist circles, okay? Which is, praise the Lord. But, we have seen, Doug said when he came out of the Reformed Church, which I was never a part of that, that he learned the sovereignty of God. That God was in charge, and that, you know, and, and that's very important, particularly in regard to what we're talking about today. That remember, God is in charge. He predicted all this stuff was going to happen. This should be of no surprise. It's pathetic that the church is going to be taken supposedly so unawares when it's right in their own Bibles. Even the apostate Bibles, you can get this. The core elements of this out of there. You could still get saved from an NIV. I did. I did. I'd be honest with you. I read the book En Route to Global Occupation by Gary Kaw. And I do believe I got saved. Um, but he quoted NIV Bible verses. There's still enough Bible to get saved. It's just that why do you want a watered down version if you, if you don't have to have it? So, when we acknowledge the Lord, then He will direct our paths. Okay? It's very important to remember that. Because most people are always wanting direction from the Lord. What does God want me to do? What does God... Well, this is one way. I'm not saying it's the only thing you have to do. Okay, there's other obvious things, but it's this is a big way. Um, Ephesians, verses 6, 11 through 19 says, Finally, remember, my brethren, be strong in the Lord and the power of His might. Put on the whole armor of God, that ye may be able to stand against the wiles of the devil. For we wrestle not against flesh and blood, but against principalities, against powers, against the rulers of darkness in this world, against spiritual wickedness in high places. Okay, so, this battle that we're talking about being in, that really, the foundation of that battle is our faith. You know, our faith in the Word of God, our faith in the Lord Jesus Christ, as we've, as we've hammered that point home all day. Um, but it says here to put on the whole armor of God, to go into this battle, that you may be able to stand against the wiles of the devil. See, because this battle isn't against flesh and blood. It's against principalities, against powers, against the rulers of darkness of this world, spiritual wickedness in high places. This is where the true battle is. This is why I do so many teachings on that subject. And the coming demonic, fallen, and angelic delusion that's coming. Because this spiritual battle is gonna, it's going to get to a point like it is in the days, like it was in the days of Noah. Where it was actually, yes, still a spiritual battle, but that spiritual battle manifested in the physical plane that we lived in. And if you think about it, in Noah's day, these giants, these fallen angels that had sired the giants, had taken over pretty much the world. I'm not saying God wasn't on the throne. But it was so bad that all the seed was corrupted, God had to wipe out the whole world. Something to think about. We're coming back to that again. Most people can't even don't even want to think about that. The concept of... of you know, these types of things, as it was in the days of Noah, so shall it be. They don't really want to think about it. They don't want to talk about it. They don't want to discuss it. I'm pretty selective of what I put out on the internet. I know I may look as pre be pretty radical, but there's a lot of stuff I hold back on. Because I don't think most people can handle it at this point. And maybe it's not appropriate for me to release it quite yet. Maybe I'm wrong about some of the stuff. That's why I like to, like to get a ton of confirmation before I even put anything out. But you know what? It's getting more and more flagrant and more and more obvious as we go on. 
we go further, it says, Wherefore, take unto you the whole armor of God, that ye be able to withstand in the evil day. That, well, what does that imply? What if you're not putting on the whole armor of God? It implies that you won't be able to withstand in the evil day. And having done all to stand. Stand therefore having your loins girt about with truth. And having, your, and having on the breastplate of righteousness. Are you operating in truth? In your life? Are you seeking truth? Is that one thing you're doing? Most people aren't. Most people don't want the truth. You know, that expression. Don't, don't bother me with the truth. My mind's made up. That's what most people's attitude are, especially in the apostate church. They're following some man, or some woman, like good old Joyce Meyer, one of them, some preacher, They're following some man or some woman down this road. And the Bible says, Thus saith the Lord, Cursed be the man that trusteth in man and that, make, and ma that maketh flesh his arm and whose heart departed from the Lord. Jeremiah 17.5 We don't want to do this. Not if that man or woman, well, particularly woman, that goes without saying, they're not biblically qualified to be pastors or preachers. These types of things. We're going to go over that in probably a couple of different studies here coming up. Now, I'm not being chauvinistic. I'm just talking about the Bible here. So bear with me on that. So are we pursuing truth in our life? Most people aren't. Most people don't want the truth. Remember, Jesus says, If ye continue in my word, then are ye my disciples indeed. And ye shall know the truth, and the truth shall make you free. Are you continuing in God's word? Are you reading God's Word? Are you reading the King James Bible? Are you reading one of these other hundreds of perversions? If you continue in my Word, then are you my disciples indeed, and you shall know the truth, and the truth shall make you free. See, we primarily get truth through the washing of the water of the Word. That washing of the water of the Word, when we read the Word of God, it washes us, and it sanctifies us, and it makes us holy and set apart. says you shall know the truth and the truth shall make you free. How does that primarily come? Through the word of God. Like I said, when I yielded to the word of God that was the King James Bible, that's when I got my eyes opened to all the deception, to all the lies and untruth that was going on in the Pentecostal church I was in. I was finally continuing in God's word. Before I was reading NIV Bibles and Living Bibles and every kind of other Bible. Going back to the Greek and the Hebrew thinking I was smarter than whatever. I'm not saying it's always unapplicable to ever refer to Greek or Hebrew. I'm saying don't make an absolute life and habit out of it and say, oh, well the Bible doesn't really say that. You just got to be real careful with that. So when I finally started in his word, I was shown all this deception that was going on in the church. That was what opened my eyes. And that confirms what Jesus said. If you continue in my word, then are you my disciples indeed, and ye shall know the truth, and the truth shall make you free. Remember, truth is the very thing that people are not going to embrace in the end times. Remember, it says, if it were possible, they shall deceive the very elect. Jesus kept saying regarding the end times, be not deceived, be not deceived. 
in regard to what we're going into. But it also says in 2 Thessalonians 2 verse 3 that God will send the strong delusion that they will believe a lie, that they might all be damned who receive not the love of what? The truth. That's how important the truth is. People are going to be damned for receiving not the love of it. Do you love the truth? It's that important. Maybe that's why it's the first thing that's mentioned in the full armor of God. Having your loins girt about with truth and having on the breastplate of righteousness. Okay, living a righteous life before the Lord. And your feet shod with the preparation of the gospel of peace. It's one of the reasons I try to always remember to carry chick tracks with me. Above all, taking the shield of faith. Remember it says, above all though. What have we just been talking about today? Faith. Faith. Without it, it's impossible to please God. Substance of things hoped for, the evidence of things not seen. Faith cometh by hearing, hearing by the word of God. Above all, taking the shield of faith, wherewith ye shall be able to quench all the fiery darts of the wicked. Well, let me ask you a question. If your faith is little, would that equate with a little shield? I don't know. I mean, we're talking spiritual things here. We see through a glass, but darkly. We can't see the full armor of God upon us. But if your faith was small, wouldn't that equate with a smaller shield? Something to think about. What if your faith was really big? Those fiery darts of the wicked, way less are going to get through if your shield is really big. It says, wherewith you shall be able to quench all the fiery darts of the wicked. Well, I don't see any fiery darts flinging at me because we don't see into the spirit world yet. But they're there, and it's real, or the Bible wouldn't have mentioned it. So if your faith is small, you're getting hit a lot more, is what that equates to. I'm trying to, like, translate some of this. Um, and take the helmet of salvation. Obviously, you have to be saved for any of this to work. The helmet of salvation and the sword of the Spirit, which is the Word of God. Here we go back to the Word of God again. Praying always with, all with prayer and supplication in the Spirit, and watching thereunto with all perseverance and supplication for all saints. Now, the Bible says that the Spirit maketh groaning and intercession for us, maketh intercession for us with groanings which cannot be uttered. Okay, so it does say that in the New Testament. I, I, I can't give you book, chapter, verse at this, but if you do a keyword search for that, it says that this, you know, the Spirit does that. Okay, and then it says, uh, and watching unto with all perseverance and supplication for all saints. And for me, that the utterance may be given unto me, that I may open my mouth boldly to make known the mystery of the gospel. Romans 13, 14 says, But put ye on the Lord Jesus Christ, and make not provision for the flesh, to fulfill the lusts thereof. This is another thing we don't need to do. Don't make provision for the flesh. Thou shalt set no wicked thing before thy eyes. These types of verses. So, I'm going to go ahead and end there, on that teaching. And... Um, We'll go ahead and go to part three.